My favorite thing to do is talk to you. Listening to how your life has been impacted and how you have grown in your organizational journey is so inspiring. Over the years, I have really internalized for myself and verbalized to you that perfect is not a thing. It does not exist. I have replaced the word perfect in my vocabulary with the word excellent. I am not a perfectionist. I am a person of excellence. I invite you to come to share your story about how you are being transformed from a reactive to a proactive person, from an overwhelmed homeowner to one who is now in more control of your time and your spaces. We all want to hear what more grace feels like in your life with your unique circumstances. Do not wait until you are a perfectly organized person. Remember, perfect does not exist. I want to hear from you. Please sign up to join me for a Wednesday podcast interview at organize365.com slash Wednesday. Krista, welcome to the Organize 365 podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Um, I'm looking forward to talking with you. You've been listening for quite a long time. How did you first find Organize 365? I heard you interviewed on the Boss Mom podcast um, way back. I think it had to be like 2015 or 16. <laughs> so wow. probably feels like a different business back then. Um, oh my altogether. But I was just starting on my entrepreneurial journey. So kind of went, you know, both ways, getting my house in order and my business. Yeah, it's so funny how we go through podcasting cycles. I actually was staying up way too late last night on my phone, like, remembering all the podcasts I used to listen to. I forgot about Dana's. I'm going to have to go go look that one up again, Boss Mom. Yeah, I was following that one for a while and like the different seasons of like how you run an online business. So are you still an entrepreneur? I am. Um, I'm just venturing into online business now, but I'm a wedding planner. So it's very much oh. in person, you know, in the trenches with with brides and grooms and the families planning their weddings. Fun. Where do you live and what's the name of your business? I'm in Detroit um, and I am Krista Graham Weddings and Events. I couldn't think of an, uh, a name. So I was like, well, I'll just use my own. <laughs> perfect. That's perfect. Okay. That's awesome. Um, all right. So tell us about the people who live in your household with you. So I am married. I live with my husband um, and we have two kids that are um, almost 12 and almost 16. So they're very much changing kind of their phase of life at the moment. <laughs> Fully into middle school, high school. Mm -hmm, exactly. But you found me back when you were more in elementary school, just getting ready to start into middle school, which is about where I was when I started Organized 365. So yeah. we were kind of listening for the same thing at the same time. You're maybe at five years behind me on that. So very similar trajectory. So you heard me on Dana's podcast and you rabbit trailed over to the Organized 365 podcast. What got you to listen to Organize 365? What were you looking for? So we were in the middle of a move from Georgia to Michigan. And I thought, you know, we're moving into this brand new house. Let's start 
the right way. <laughs> Let's, yeah. You know, get, I've always been an organized person, but um, it was really interesting to me to listen to how you broke things down. So in tiny packages. So, you know, thinking about just first aid stuff or just candles, like how am I going to organize these things that I have collections of, but it, you know, it's not necessarily a huge project. Like let's organize the entire kitchen um, right, and right. down into smaller chunks. And that made it so easy and helpful um, when I was starting this new home and getting everything in place to just, just kind of chunk it out and take it one thing at a time. It's kind of fun to get to start over, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and not be like, I'm 20 years old and trying to figure this out. And I have three pots and one towel. Like, like you had some stuff to organize. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so what were some of the things that you tried that you hadn't tried before? What did you try first that you noticed was working? I think getting away from trying to make it, as you say, Pinterest perfect and just making it functional. And then also realizing that systems can and should adjust and evolve Mm -hmm. over time. And going back to kids in elementary versus kids in middle and high school, it's a very different phase of life and how, what they need and their sports equipment and their school stuff and being able to help them figure that out too. My son was very nervous to start middle school and we got his folders and his binders all organized. And he's like, okay, great. Now what do I do with this? (laughs) I was like, you know what? You're going to take it one day at a time. And if we need to change things and get rid of a folder or add another binder or whatever, we'll change it as you need to, but let's, you know, start with this, listen to your teachers, do what they tell you to with it. And if it works, great. If not, we'll adjust as we need to. I really appreciate being able to apply the household systems to something as small as my kids' middle school binder. (laughs) Yeah, just, yeah, the systems kind of transfer. Have your kids taken some of that organization on themselves or do you see them learning some of the organization as well? I do not as much as I would love them to, but <laughs> yes, I do see a little bits here and there. Um, and I'm hoping it just, you know, kind of adds on over time. So as you're organizing all these little spaces and you've obviously lived in this house now, how long? I mean, six years, six, maybe? seven years. Yeah. Yeah. Six, seven years. How has that organization continued to grow and evolve or what things have like, once I got this organized it kind of stayed organized so yeah my the garage and storage took so long for me and I'm not sure why to get organized but I took one spring break week and I just did it I'm just gonna dive in and just do it and I created a disaster in my garage because it always gets worse before it gets better (laughs) and then you know, I have the shelves. Actually, our house came with a couple of the types of shelves that you recommend. So it's like, oh, that's great. Let me just buy two more sets and I'll be good. So all our holiday decor, all my wedding stuff is out there. It's all on shelves. You know, everybody, we have a neighborhood yard sale every year and probably half the people that come shop the yard sale look at my stuff and they're like, wow, <laughs> you're really organized. <laughs> so the garage has been the number one thing. So now I was able to turn that into kind of a workout room. It's, it allowed yeah. it to be more of a multifunctional space because, of course, we don't park our cars in the garage like a normal Why would you do that? <laughs> but we are, in a, con- we are in a condo, so we have limited space. So we use okay. the garage as part of our living space with working out and storage and all that. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things I noticed when I was in the phase of life that you're in now and entering is... I mean, 12 and 15 year old kids are like adult size people. 
Like they're yes. <laughs> still kids, but like they're literally adults. It's kind of odd <laughs> when all of a sudden you're walking around and they're like, we're all human size. Like we're yeah, all adult human size. I noticed that the other day when my son, the 11, 12 year old, reached up to the cabinet yeah. above the stove to grab mm-hmm. the oil. And I was like, wow, he doesn't need help <laughs> to grab it anymore. We oh spend so many years like, oh my goodness, can they make the bed? Can we do this? How we do this for them? Lifting them into car seats, getting the step stool, getting all these things. And then all of a sudden, they're bigger than us. And we're like, oh, this is, this is awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't squash me like a bug. Um, <laughs> you still need to listen to me. I am the mother. Exactly. Um, and, it, and it is this like, th- there is some awkwardness to it when they are like human adult size and they're still learning to become the adults that they're going to be. And yet you're like in the thick of like the hardest time actually, because you don't have a driver yet. And yet they're really starting to have like their own friends, their own extracurricular activities, their own interests. They're probably in different schools. And you're like, you get stretched almost to the point where you're like, I don't even think I can stretch anymore. And then you'll start to have a driver and it will start to free up from there. But it is, it is a very, I don't think we talk very much about this middle school, high school, launching into your adulthood, six years, that six years. And what I found, I don't know if you've noticed this. But what I found in that time was noticing that they were becoming adult size and independent thinkers, like with their own political views, their own religious views, their own everything, as they should, you know? And I want to have these conversations, and yet they're in your dwelling (laughs) with your aesthetic and what you want it to look like. And they're kind of disorganized in this phase, men, boys more than girls. Um, they're a little bit more disorganized during this phase because they're going through so many transitions and growths hormonally and intellectually and physically. Like they're literally, you literally watch them grow before your eyes. It's it's bizarre. And that's when I started to realize we're in much more of a communal living type environment versus a parent-child environment. Have you observed that at all? Yeah. I just told my daughter last night, (laughs) you have too many opinions right now. Like, can you just go back to being a little girl and loving everything that comes out of my mouth? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, 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 we're not. She will. No. Yes. So we, both my kids are multiple sports. Um, Luckily I work from home now. I work my business full time so that the number one thing that I take from that is the flexibility and being able yep. to run them here and there and not have to worry about a job <laughs> being in the way of that as much as I can. But yeah, they're all in sports. We're running back and forth all the time. They both have all the opinions about everything. So yeah, we're in, I mean, I've always raised my kids to be more, to allow them to have opinions and allow them to make choices and, you know, I try not to be a dictator and more like this. We're um, more like we're a community and we're community is not the right word, but, you know, we've always had a family motto and, you know, just trying to raise them to be the best possible humans, I guess. And, and kind of raising them to live on their own and push them out of the the bird's nest once they (laughs) go to college and let them, you know, do things for themselves. I told my daughter when she started high school, I said, okay, now when we go to the doctor, you're going to start filling out the paperwork and you're going to start doing the questions yourselves and all this stuff. That's good. Kind of preparing them 
for real life. I used to work in an emergency room and I couldn't believe the amount of adults who didn't know what medicines they were taking or didn't know what their medical needs were. So I always told myself, okay, medically they're going to be prepared. And then I've tried to extrapolate that to other life skills. That's really good. I I did not do that. (laughs) As I just went to a doctor's appointment with one of my adult children the other day to explain all of that. Um, Yeah, so we can learn so much from each other. So the other thing with kids that are now adult size is they're hungry all the time, usually not for what you're making, Mm -hmm. and at the oddest times of the day. So how is your house, specifically in the kitchen and laundry area, changing now that you have adult-sized people living with you. (laughs) Well, with laundry specifically, that's one thing I did off-board myself, and I've had everybody else doing their own laundry for years now. Wow, Um, okay, well, well, back up and explain. Explain (laughs) how you did Well, it started with my husband. He would get mad if I'd wash something with something in the pockets, but yet he wouldn't clean his pockets out himself. So I said, okay, you're doing your own laundry from now on. I'm tired of this being an argument. We're just going to stop it, you know? And then when my daughter got old enough, I taught her how to do her laundry. And then same thing with my son. And they don't do their laundry as often as I think they should. My son's closet is piled with dirty clothes as we speak, but it's his responsibility. So when it comes to time, you know, for a track meet or something, and he doesn't have his jersey clean, I don't know what to tell you. I told you 14 times you had a track meet, you needed to wash your clothes. You know, what are we going to do now? So kind of involving them in decision-making and taking responsibility for that. And then in the kitchen, they do know how to cook certain things. They will prepare their own lunches, their own breakfasts. Um, I'm mainly responsible for dinner most nights, and I'll do my meal planning, obviously, on Sundays during the Sunday basket time, and I'll put on the refrigerator what I'm cooking each night and then what nights Maybe I have a late meeting and they're responsible for themselves or my husband has to cook. Um, So they'll know ahead of time what nights they need to figure it out or my husband needs to figure it out. With late night sports games and stuff that sometimes is, you know, going through Wendy's on the way home. But I try and cook at least three nights a week, cook a a full healthy meal um, so that the other nights, you know, I don't feel so bad when we're grabbing fast food or something. Love it. Okay, back to the laundry. What age were your kids ready? (laughs) I didn't do it until mine were like 18. So I have like zero skills here. Well, my daughter was born like 16 years old. So she's always been more mature. (laughs) They are showing that girls are a little bit more organizational. Yeah. I think she was probably, uh, she was probably eight or nine when she started doing her laundry. Yeah. So exciting. (laughs) Hashtag goals, but obviously I won't reach them because my children are uh, in their 20s. And your son, was he about the same age or a little bit older? A little bit older. I think he was probably Mm -hmm. 10. It's been a couple of years. So my struggle now is to get them to stop washing that one sports uniform you need for tomorrow. Just do a whole load. Just do a whole load. Stop washing one thing at a time. So when do you do your laundry? How do you know that you get to use the laundry when you want to? Or does everybody have days? Like, obviously, I have questions. <laughs> I I typically do mine on Sundays. I'll throw it in Sunday morning. We'll go to a basketball game for my kids, and then we'll come back. I'll switch it. They typically just work around me because I'm the only one that does it consistently. They do it every couple weeks or so, and they'll just do it when it's free. 
Okay. So I, I was doing mine, like throwing it in Friday night or Saturday. And like, I like to do it all in one day. Greg will sometimes do his own laundry too. He does that throwing in, you know, just the pair of shorts, like you're talking about. I call that selfish laundry doing. (laughs) I have a name for it. So he'll be like, I'm going to go do the laundry. And then I'll come down and the whole laundry basket is there, but the pair of shorts or jeans is in there. I was like, oh, we did selfish laundry doing today. He's like, yes. I was like, okay. Uh, So I have a a name for it. But if I'm doing a lot of schoolwork over the weekend or whatever, he he does know how to do the laundry now. When I went on the six-week book tour, everybody learned how to do everything. It was brilliant. (laughs) Highly recommend. Um, But yeah, just Greg and I towels and she said, like, it's two, maybe three loads a week. Like, it's not a lot of laundry. So I do tend to do it like, I'm like, look, I want it for this 24 hours. And then, yeah, Abby has the other six days of the week. Like, yeah, whatever you I want. do also wash towels and sheets. I'll do that. Um, I usually do that. I try and do it on Wednesdays just because it's, I started it on Wednesdays and now I remember to do it every Wednesday and they're at school during that time, school and, and at the office. So it's not in the way of anybody. Yeah. I have now that I do schoolwork from home on every Thursday. I will often throw in and do my laundry. Actually, on Thursday, I still fold it on Sunday, though. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what I did. I said, Greg, I made the best $12 purchase of the month. He's like, okay, what is it? I said, a second laundry basket. So now I have two plastic laundry baskets. They're just stacked together. So mm-hmm. on Thursday, I take it down and I, I'll run whatever I want to run and bring it up, like not folded. And yet we're still collecting laundry and I'll run that on Saturday. And then I fold it all on Sunday. He's like, what is this program? I was like, this is my staged laundry program, but I used to take the laundry basket away. So then for two days, you'd have like laundry piled on the floor. Anyways, it makes me happy that I have two laundry baskets now, but the laundry is never totally done, which I've just given it up. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the two laundry basket program is great. Also for kids, like I, I set that up at Joey's condo. He has two that are stacked in each other. Now they're just both full of dirty laundry. Let's be clear. <laughs> but in the, in the way I do it, it's supposed to work. The theory is supposed to work. Okay. To the kitchen. I want to ask you a couple of questions about the kitchen. So what I observed when my kids were the ages of your kids is that they have their own preferences. Like you mentioned, they make their own breakfast. They make their own lunch. I'm thinking they probably don't make the same thing Mm -hmm. for breakfast and lunch. They probably have their own opinions. They also, you mentioned being in sports. We weren't in a lot of sports, but I've seen other families that do sports. (laughs) And those kids, those kids tend to have like protein powders and then they have these smoothie things. And then they, I don't know, all kinds of things that need to go in blenders and shaker bottles and all of that kind of stuff. Do you have all that going on in your kitchen? They don't typically like protein shakes. Well, my daughter mostly will do a protein bars every now and then um, when basketball season really kicks into gear. But it's mostly, uh, I don't think it's necessarily for the protein. It's mostly to stay full between when school's out and then to get to after practice. So I'll have those available for her. My son, he doesn't care as long as he eats. He doesn't really care what he eats. (laughs) Um, It's hot. Yeah, he doesn't care. He'll eat. I mean, at the same time, he doesn't care what he eats, but he is a foodie and he loves to try new things. So he'll find a new recipe and be like, mom, can you get this stuff at the store? I want to make this this weekend. And so scones, like it was a random scone recipe he wanted to make. And I'll help him if he needs help, but he loves cooking eggs, frosted Mm. flakes. He'll do a bowl of frosted flakes for dinner if if it's one of those nights where like everybody's on their own for dinner, he's happy with a bowl of frosted flakes. But also he loves going to Ruth's Chris and getting, you know, a filet mignon. Yes. So he's such a weird eater. 
That's me. I'm actually your son. That's me. Appetizer steak. I love steak or cereal. I mean that I could eat a, that could I could live on that for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Like chicken? No. I don't like like a regular meal anymore. Crazy. He does always he does always scoff at me when he says, "What's for dinner?" and I say chicken. He's like, "Oh, not again." Chris like chicken for 20 years i'm like yeah and now i'm over it he's like well how about a pork chop i'm like no i basically don't like any white meat whatsoever i want a burger or i want a steak he's like when did this happen i was like i don't know like two years ago and like now i just don't want any white. <laughs> what's going on i said i have no idea i don't know what to preferences change <laughs> they do they do yeah. so in your future here's what happened in our house so everybody has their own preference now and everybody goes to the grocery store now, and then you end up with all this food, but some gets eaten and some doesn't get eaten. Uh, it's, it's a big thing. Greg's like, are we going to have the food conversation again? I said, we are. He's like, <laughs> you don't do the grocery shopping. I said, I know this is the problem because you and Abby buy all this stuff, but don't necessarily make all this stuff. And then I throw it off. Anyways, I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah, I'll go through the refrigerator, usually toward the end of the week. Like, okay, we're having this weird random concoction of things yes. for dinner because we have all these weird vegetables left over and this chicken I need to cook. And also, we live literally a 30-second walk from Kroger, so I call it our extended oh. pantry. So it's both great and bad because at 11 o'clock at night, you're like, I really want some ice cream. It's right there. You can just go get it. <laughs> it you can walk there? Yes, literally 30 oh. seconds from our driveway, we could be at Kroger. So wow. it's uh it's bad in that respect of you know the things we don't need like ice cream. But but if I'm cooking dinner and I run out of flour or something, yeah. send the kids and they're back in five minutes with what I need. Yes. So my mother used to call that refrigerator review. Okay. So it was on trash night, I now realize. And it was refrigerator review. And she just started pulling everything out of the refrigerator. And instead of throwing it away, she just microwaved it all. <laughs> it was like this buffet of everything that you've had in the last five days. Pick something or make yourself cereal. And then it all just went in the trash. Which I I mean, it's a you know one more shot at getting this stuff eaten instead of mm-hmm. thrown away. I also like to do a eat down the refrigerator or freezer challenge. Like the theory is you don't buy any food and you try to eat what you already have in your house. My family doesn't comply because they have the cars and credit cards. So they just go and they replenish, but I keep trying. Whenever the refrigerator is almost empty, I'm like, oh, this looks great. It's like, there's nothing in here. I'm like, I know it's beautiful. We, our electric went out recently when some bad weather went through and we lost a lot in our refrigerator. And after we cleaned it out, our our home insurance reimbursed us for it. But after I cleaned it out, I'm like, oh, the refrigerator looks so nice. (laughs) There's no food in it, but it looks so pretty. (laughs) I've also gone the route of labeling the shelves. This is my shelf. This is your shelf. (laughs) I I used to have that in our pantry because I'm like, why is the bread in the cereal shelf? Let's things back where they go. And then, and then I catch myself and I'm like, Lisa, you have gone over the edge. I think you should go do a puzzle or just leave. (laughs) Just, I find myself most nights going, this is not my problem. And I just leave the kitchen. Like I just leave the kitchen entirely because you cannot control other people. You can only control yourself. Yeah. Yes. So anyways, the only thing I know that's in our refrigerator right now is an entire pumpkin pie. And I bought that for me (laughs) (laughs) because I want pumpkin pie. 
So Abby's like, oh, the pumpkin pie is like, there better always be a slice left in that. So that when I eat the last slice, I know I'm getting another pumpkin pie. Don't eat the last slice of the pumpkin pie. We did that so with is- um, apple cider donuts. We went to Kroger mm-hmm. yesterday for lettuce and ended up buying a lot of stuff, but apple cider donuts. <laughs> My son just put it in the cart. Didn't even ask. He's like, in the cart, these are going on with us. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay, so house is getting pretty good, pretty organized. Obviously, you're much better at delegating responsibilities than I was. So do you want to talk about your Friday workbox? Do you have a Friday workbox story? I do, yes. It actually is the thing that helped me be able to quit my day job and do wedding planning full-time. Helped me focus on what needed to be focused on in order to grow and be able to quit my job. Sitting right here to the right of me, so that's why I keep looking over that way, but... I love it. I tell everybody I can that they need to have something like that in place, whether it's the actual workbox or, you know, listen to you and start with your own thing and grow into the actual workbox like I did. And then I just love that it keeps on task. It kind of gets my brain out and in front of me and able to see all the things that I'm supposed to be doing, all the things I don't like to do, like paying bills and all the financial stuff. That's not my favorite, but it reminds me to do it and keeps me on task with it. So what was your profession before this? Uh, I've had a lot of careers, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I mostly was in hospital pharmacy as an adult, creating IVs and, and bagging medications for all over the hospital. Um, and then when I moved up here, my husband's job paid a lot more than it did in the South. So I was able to be a little more flexible. When we moved up here in Michigan, I got a job as a secretary at my what would eventually be my daughter's middle school. Uh, So I was able to have that school schedule and be able to get them from school each day and kind of have all my evenings to take them around everywhere they needed to go. And I worked that job for about five years and I was able to quit and do this full time. So how did you start to establish your business and how did you use the workbox to do that? My number one thing that I did and I really feel like helped me um, because I was in a new state and I knew nobody was networking. I started as as soon as I knew this is my plan and we were going to move to Michigan, I started networking online with other wedding industry professionals, joined a, at that point it was nationwide. I think it might be worldwide now, like a creative entrepreneur kind of networking group that had meetings every month in different areas and got plugged in there. As soon as I moved up here, I started attending those meetings. By within probably four months, I became a leader of one of those groups. (laughs) The leader was stepping down and nobody else wanted it. So I'm like, you know, I'll take it. So just really getting to know people in the industry and helping with those meetings and uh, being of service to other wedding planners. Um, I did a lot of work for free in the beginning just to get experience and, you know, 12-hour days moving chairs Mm -hmm. and laying place settings down for free. And it took me probably probably six months before I got my own first wedding that was all mine. They hired me specifically. And that during that wedding, I remember when the ceremony started, the bride was down the aisle. I went in the restroom and I just looked in the mirror like, I am a wedding planner. I did it. Like, I really am. (laughs) There's a wedding and I planned it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's grown since then. Last year I had 15 weddings. Wow. This year, I have not quite that many because that was crazy, crazy pants. This year, about 12, I think, is where I landed for this year. Um, and I'm already booking weddings for 2025 now. So it's the ball keeps on. That's like 18 months from now. 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I get married in six months. <laughs> I eloped on the beach with, it was just me and my husband and my daughter was six months old. So I am not my own ideal client. <laughs> Greg took three years to propose. So by the time he proposed, I was like, I told my parents and then I, we met over at, um, I think I've told this story before, but we met over at his family that night to have dinner, to have family dinner. So he had proposed like whatever, an hour earlier. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, we could get married on May 18th, which was like three months from when he proposed or August 12th, which is when we ended up getting married or December 18th. And his family just looked at me like, what? And he's like, what? <laughs> and I was like, well, you've already missed three dates at the club. <laughs> <It's> like, what? <laughs> so my my dad was uh, the president of our country club. And when he was president, he was president for two terms and he remodeled it. He and his best friend remodeled the whole country club because his best friend had four girls and my dad had two. And they were like, okay, well, we're doing the weddings here. So we might as well remodel the club for what we want the weddings to be like. It was gorgeous. And as soon as they remodeled it, like weddings got booked out like two years. And so when Greg and I were dating more than a year and mom realized that, oh, you know, this might turn into a real thing. She started reserving. (laughs) And so if he wouldn't propose, she's like, all right, let that date go. Let that. I was like, you already lost it. And Greg's like, what? And his family's like, what? And I was like, listen, you (laughs) you took three and a half years to propose. You're done. I'm done. Wedding. <laughs> Which date do you want? And so we, we did the August date. So we got married in in six months. But clearly, my mother had been working on it for quite a while because I didn't even know that till I was like, "Mom, he proposed." He's like, "Great. Here are the dates." Like she had already like I didn't know she was doing that. She was doing that behind the scenes because you know I didn't live at home anymore. And this is what. Let's be clear. I invited people 12 and under to my wedding. Anyone I babysat for was my guest at my wedding. Greg had friends he invited. My parents had a whole plethora of people who came and we had a ridiculous amount of family. It was a big wedding, but I didn't have a lot of peers that I invited. So my parents were having a party and it was because I was getting married. I picked out the cake and I picked out the dress. And they did everything Very else. Stress, right? Stress-free planning. I do believe there was a there was a wedding planner involved. It was not with me. It was with my mother. That's it was hilarious. so funny. I mean, I'm sure that you have so many stories that you could tell. Planning a wedding is such a huge event and such a, a so much money. Um, but it's money, it's time, it's emotion, it's so many things. And some weddings are fast and some weddings they prepare for years and some weddings are small and some weddings are big. And like, there's just all this different variation. Do you have any top tips that you would give to people who are thinking about their future wedding or they might be in the thick of it? Like, what would you say to them? Um, Get help. Number one, if you haven't, obviously (laughs) I'm an advocate for hiring a wedding planner, but get help. Even if that's telling your wedding party, Hey, I need help. You do this, you do this, you do this. Also, if you're in the beginning stages and you haven't sent out invitations yet, your budget is almost all of it is directly tied to how many people you invite. There's very few things that are the price that they are, no matter how many people, you know, down to how many linens you need for the tables, how many centerpieces you need, you know, that that's tied to how many guests you're inviting. So if you're worried about your budget, consider a smaller guest list. <laughs> I know that's not always feasible, but you'll get more of your 
more of the event that you want if you can spread your budget around with a smaller guest count. I've positioned myself in the market up here to be the non-conventional wedding wedding planner. I really like to tailor weddings to their personalities, their relationship story, the things that they love to do. A lot of my clients are very much in love with Detroit and, you know, want that Motown feel or that kind of urban vibe. And there's a lot of venues in Detroit that, that help provide that. So my other tip is if you have a very specific vision, find a venue that will fit that because then you'll have to do less to make it look like what you want it to look like. If you can find a venue that has the vibe already, you can just add a few kind of punctuation marks here and there. You don't have to completely redo the space. Yeah, I think uh, that's sometimes why people get married in December because you don't really have to decorate the church as much because it's always going to be decorated yeah. for the for the season. Are there any other tips or tricks like that where you could save money if you were in a certain... Um, none that I can think of off the top of my head. It, the different parts of the country I'm finding, I've had a couple couples that are getting married in different areas or from different areas and getting married here. Different areas have very different wedding styles that are popular in different venues right now. So maybe looking in another city, if you can't find you know, what you're looking for, maybe you know, travel around a little bit and have a destination mm-hmm. wedding right here in the country. Hmm. So as a wedding planner, if somebody is like, oh, I didn't even think about hiring a wedding planner. I don't even know. Like, how would you know? How would you help me? How can you help me, Krista? How could you help me? With all the things. <laughs> the one the one thing I hear from almost every single client at the end of it is, you made this process just so much more calm than I expected it to be. So I think just Knowing that somebody's got your back, knowing that I can fight the fight for you, that I'm going through the contracts, um, doing the tedious work of reaching out to, you know, five different florists and figuring out which one is going to work for you and your budget. And then all you have to do is make the decision. Yes, I like that one. Let's go with it. It just lets people focus more on their relationship and their engagement and actually enjoying it and not getting lost in the weeds of all the details. You know, I'm telling you every month, here's what we've finished. Here's what we're working on currently that's pending. Here's what's coming up next. So they always know where we are in the planning process and what's, you know, upcoming. So they can kind of start to process through that. So you're giving me PTSD over contracts. (laughs) So I've done quite a few live events now. We, you know, for the book tour, we traveled to, I can't remember how many cities in six weeks. I want to say it was 10. And every single hotel, I got a contract just to use that room for two hours for the book signing. You guys do not want to know how much it costs to rent one small room for two hours at a hotel. It was ridiculous. And then the Embrace conference I had in Dallas, that was a nightmare. And then also I've had it in Cincinnati. And in Cincinnati, we were supposed to have it at a venue in 2022. I think it was 2022. We were supposed to use this venue. This venue is beautiful. A lot of weddings are there. It was basically built for weddings. So I contracted a three-year contract. It's a, it's a venue that can be big enough for an Indian wedding, which will have like 700 guests. <laughs> and so I contracted a third of it and then two-thirds of it and then the entire thing. So in 2024, we're supposed to be using it for the entire venue for the whole weekend. And there was a deposit, a significant deposit, which I paid. 
but we don't have food in, at Embrace, so there is no food budget. And in these contracts, you have a space rental and you have a food contract. And if you have food, then the space rental is lower, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, it was just a space contract. So I made the space contract. And I was there with the whole team when we were there talking to the coordinator of the venue, explaining that we were live streaming this and that we had to have hard wired internet. So a couple of months before the first Embrace was supposed to be there in 2022, I sent Joey over, my son, an audio engineer, to test out the internet. None of the internet worked. They had like 21 different hardwired internets. Joey checked them all. None of them worked. And the guy says to me, yeah, well, we've never used that. And I was like, well, we need it for the event. And he's like, well, too bad. And I was like, we need it. Like, you knew this is what we're doing in the event. We said we need internet. You don't have internet. And he's like, well, I don't know what to tell you, but you don't have it. And I was like, well, we can't have the event here then. And he's like, not my problem. And I said, I have this booked this year, next year, and then the whole thing the year after that, like for the whole weekend, like, and per my contract, you can't rent it out to anybody else. And I can give you 24 hours notice. And I have no, I don't have to pay any additional monies to you because there's no food involved. And he's like, doesn't matter. We've already made enough off of you to not even rent this out all of that time because I paid 10 grand up front. Wow. And I was like, so then I was ticked. So I started doing some Google searches. So I found that this property is held under an LLC. So then I looked up the LLC because I'm a woman and I'm going to research until I can find the person. So I found the three owners of the LLC. The first one went to a non-operational phone line. The second one is similar. And the third one went to a woman's cell phone. And I said, hi. This is Lisa. I've rented your space. I'm not getting anywhere with so-and-so, your manager. And she says, this is illegal. How did you find me? You can't know who I am. Click and hung up on me. And I was like, what in the heck shadiness is going on in this establishment? Right. So there was a, sorry, this is, I'm I'm fully involved now. I need to know. We're fully involved. We have to (laughs) So then I look at the LLC. And there is a lawyer of record because you can't have an LLC without somebody has to be there. So I call the law firm. I leave a message, call the law firm. I leave a message, send a letter to the lawyer. And he finally gets on the phone with me. He goes, I sent your letter to the owners. They haven't gotten in touch with you. I said, no. He said, I'm sorry. I don't know what to do. He said, I didn't even know I was still listed on this LLC. I was supposed to be taken off of this LLC. Now I'm here to tell you. I'm in Westchester, Ohio, which is like, you know, podunk, whatever, but it's not podunk, whatever. Like there are some really big political names. John Boehner, the Speaker of the House for Forever, Westchester, Ohio. So I'm, he's from, I'm from Middletown Monroe, so I know for sure. Oh, so you yeah. you know, know what I'm talking <laughs> about. Yeah. There is some big players and some big money in yeah. Westchester. So I, I mean, like when these big business owners decided they wanted an interchange in Union Center, they had it within six months. Mm-hmm. They happen to own all the land around this. And now they've made bazillions of millions of dollars. Now, granted, all of us in Westchester benefit because we have this interchange and all this thing. But let me just tell you, people are making bank around here. Yeah. And these people own this place. And I'm just like, obviously still mad about it. 
obviously still mad about it. I do not blame you. I would. I been. should just say what the thing is, because anybody who asks me, I'm like, oh, don't even go. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous venue, horribly managed. And the person who is the manager of it basically just says, you can't do anything to me and we're not giving you your money back and tough luck. Just such a jerk. Yeah. So all of this to say, that is why at the last minute, we had to make Embrace of 2022 in our warehouse. I remember Because I've that. already yeah. spent 10 grand on the next three contracts that I now couldn't get out of. And I also couldn't have my event there. So immediately it was like in May, I was like, Tickets are sold out, sold out. How many people are going to be online? Because this is what happens to business owners all the time. But when you're running this venue and this specific venue, now I can't even think of the name of it because I'd love to name it in this podcast. If you're running this venue, you don't know this because you only do one wedding, hopefully. And if you do a second one, you're not doing it at the same location. So you don't know, but Kristen knows. And I tell everybody in Washington, oh, what's that? I should go find the name of the thing. And so then now, so 2023, well, we didn't do Embrace because now I'm getting my PhD, but also I'm still ticked because I paid for a venue we didn't use in 2023 and I paid for it in 2024. Yeah, I have I have a similar story that I, it, I'll, long story short. Yeah, no, decided, go tell the long story. We're in contract <laughs> it, land It's now. a very prominent venue on the river, <laughs> Detroit River. It's beautiful. They decided to renovate their ballroom at the last minute and um, moved all of the weddings that were contracted for the ballroom to a tent on the back lawn. So my wedding that I had scheduled there, not my wedding, but my client's wedding I had scheduled there in June was going to be outdoors, not what they signed a contract for. It's Mayfly season or whatever those things are that come out of the Detroit River that are all over every building in Detroit over the summer. And that's that's not the wedding that they contracted for. And they weren't going to give them their deposit back when they decided to cancel with them. And I fought and fought and fought for them and ended up getting their deposit back. So I was very proud of that. <clears throat> but I'm now less likely to recommend that venue because they they did my clients wrong in the past. And I can't trust that they're going to treat the next ones right. Yeah. So. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's the Savannah Center in Westchester, Ohio. I would not recommend going to the Savannah Center. It is poorly managed. They do not care about you. They do not cover what's in the contract and they just don't care. Gorgeous venue. They don't care. Don't use it. The Savannah Center. So Noted. there you go. Noted. I am hoping to do some weddings so in other areas of the country next year. So noted. If I ever do home oh. back home, <laughs> we'll not go there. We've had beautiful weddings. Mohauser Barn is great right down the street, but don't use the Savannah Center. And, you know, honestly, I do think part of it is because I was a woman. And I'm like, you know, I'm not that small of a business. Like I'm going to embrace is going to come back. I would like to have it at the Sharonville Convention Center. Like it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Like, mm -hmm. but when you're planning your wedding, you're going to do one wedding. So the venue doesn't, I mean, they care, but they don't really care because you're one of like however many 52 weddings that they're going to do that year. And mm -hmm. so, you know, if they if they make 45 people happy, like their percentage is good enough for them or whatever, like not everybody cares as much about your wedding or your event as you do. And unfortunately, the longer I am in business, the more these contracts are so important. You're like, oh, we'll never have to get out of this contract early. Oh, they would never not deliver what they're going to. Yes, they will not deliver what they're going to say. Yes, you will need to get out of the contract early. Like, yeah. There's a reason why people write contracts yeah. it's because and everybody has to do these things. Yes. <laughs> and unfortunately, a lot of the issues that I've seen 
where there haven't been contracts in place was because somebody hired their friend to photograph their wedding or their friend to run the music. And as much as people think that's a money saver or you're doing your friend a favor by giving them more exposure, just don't do it. Just hire a professional and have that contract there. You want everything in writing. I'm a millennial, so I really hate talking on the phone. But my excuse is, no, I want to email so I have it in writing so that if somebody ever says opposite, you know, no, I have it in writing in this email on this date that you said you would do X, Y, Z. So that's what we're going to do. So at the end of the day, your wedding is not going to be free. (laughs) Your wedding is going to cost money. (laughs) And like, you don't want to go in debt for your wedding. But if the difference between... You're having to be in charge of every single detail and a certain amount of money. Like, enjoy your day. Like, you're supposed to be there to enjoy your day. This is not your business. This is not your job. This is not like a project you're going to replicate 20 times. Do what you can to save the money, like you said, lowering the guest list. Um, and then make it so you're going to enjoy it. Like, what would what would make this wedding so that you would enjoy it? so that your mother would enjoy it, so that your family is able to enjoy it versus having to orchestrate it. To orchestrate it and to enjoy it are two different things. And sometimes you have to do both, but if you don't have to do both, and and then this is the last thing I'll say about weddings. You're not going to remember any of this. Yeah. (laughs) Literally, like when the wedding starts, like apparently it was like hotter than hot on my wedding day. I don't remember it being hot at all. I don't remember being hot. Like I don't remember... Apparently, some things didn't go well. I don't remember those things. You're not going to remember those things. So just enjoy the day. There's nothing you can do. If something goes wrong during the event, like, what are you going to do? Nothing. Roll with it. Go with it. Like, just nobody else even probably even knows it was supposed to be done differently. Exactly. Take a deep breath and enjoy your day. Enjoy your day. Yeah. I always ask new clients. Two of the questions that I ask them are, what are your top priorities where if everything else went to, you know, where, and these things happen, you would be happy so that I know what to focus on, on the wedding day. If everything else does go to, you know, where they care about the food, I need to make sure the food's out on time. The food tastes good, all this stuff. And then second question is what do you want other people to be saying five years, 10 years after your wedding? Because yeah, you're not going to remember much of it, but if every time you see your, you know, your grandparents and they just talk about how fun the dance floor was, or, you know, how cool the signature cocktails were or whatever, it yes. was, you know, whatever, that's going to bring back good memories. So those two questions are something every couple should talk about. That's so good. Um, okay. What advice would you give to someone just starting out as we round out this interview? Um, I really think focusing on one thing and doing that one thing, the best that you can till it grows to where you can add something else was really helpful mindset shift for me because I'm an all or nothing person. Usually I will go deep (laughs) into something and I'll say, okay, I'm going to do balloons. I'm going to do kids birthday parties and I'm going to do weddings. And, um, I had to stop and pull back when I was floundering and not getting anywhere and say, okay, I'm going to focus on weddings. That's the, um, I met with a branding person. I met with a website copy person. That's what we're focusing on is weddings. And now I do do other events. I don't do balloons anymore because it's just, it was a lot of inventory and a lot of stuff that I use a few times a year. And it doesn't, it's, it was not 
financially, it didn't make sense to keep all that stuff and to advertise for it and whatever. So I don't do balloons anymore, but I have been able to add on. I've added on an online course for people who are trying to grow their business and become full-time. I'm hoping next year to start kind of thinking about a book on intentional celebrating and how you can celebrate throughout the year. So there's a lot that I want to do. But I'm focusing on one thing at a time and then just kind of layering on once that one thing becomes established. So I think that's probably the biggest tip. That was so hard for me to learn. Mm-hmm. Like that you can have all the ideas, but you can really only work on a couple at a time. Yeah. But it's so much more rewarding when that one or two ideas that you focus on all the way through to launching launches. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's with my, the online kind of education stuff I'm working on. Um, It's mostly for the wedding industry or I guess anybody client-based, but it's, it's built. It's not taken off yet. And that's where I get frustrated. So I'm like, okay, what do I need to do now? Do I need to change something or do I just need to keep on keeping on? And I just need to tell myself, keep on keeping on with it, keep growing it, keep talking about it. You know, it'll get there. Yeah, I think Amy Porterfield is another podcast I used to listen to a lot. I listen to it sometimes now, but I used to listen to it religiously, like all the time. And she will say it is the relaunching of the things that are what really start to get the growth and the traction. It's not the first time you launch it or even the second or third, you know, we're still talking about the Sunday basket. We're still talking about the productive home solution. We're still talking about planning. Like it's the same thing over and over and over again, because we haven't even nearly touched the surface of how how many people need to plan in their lives or get a handle on their household management. And when you keep launching the same thing over and over and over again, like you've been around for a while, so you know it went from the 100 days to all access to the Productive Home Solution. And while sometimes if you've been in the program that long, you're like, oh, I like it back when it was this program or that program. If you keep relaunching it and you listen to the people who are going through the transformation, it gets better and better. Like the 100 days was great, but you never finished it because no one could ever get through it. (laughs) And then we added in the binders. So that was all access. And now it's a 52 week program and it has a community and now it has co-working time and, you know, all these things that you add on. So as you keep relaunching and as you keep revisiting the marketing of your course, you'll add new things into your course. You'll add different things into your marketing that will make it better and better and better. And it's the cumulative growing of that, that really starts to create a foundational business. And I think that sometimes we think in an online space, because you can, like, you literally can reach everybody supposedly instantly through the internet, Mm -hmm. that it should grow faster. I think it actually grows slower. Because if you think back to when you were doing your wedding business, you first started networking in Georgia. Then you moved to Detroit and you started networking in Detroit. And all that time you were just like working your other job and networking and doing all these other things. And then you launched with a couple of weddings and then you got to more weddings and it was years, years and years and years. So why would you make a course and expect in a couple of months that it's going to be converting like an in-person service event would? And right. we just tend to have unrealistic expectations of ourselves and the sales process. like. People need, people know, like, and trust you as a wedding planner. They need to know, like, and trust you as a business creation expert. Like that's a new persona that you're building. And there needs to be a different nurture cycle from that than for your wedding planning company. 
That makes complete sense. It's so hard, but it makes complete sense. And sometimes we get so, because we get so far into our personal journey, like you're a business owner now, in addition to a wedding planner. And so now you see what you've done that works and you want to help other people, but it may be at the end of the day, you're not a business coach. So even though you know how to do this and other people want to do it, it may be that that's not, you know, part of what you're supposed to do, just like the balloons yeah. thing wasn't part of what you're supposed to do. Um, <clears throat> but it may be, who knows? Yeah. And, and I'm just along the for time. the journey. Yeah. You gotta I, give can't, the time. I cannot remember what book it was that she, the author talked about ideas and how, if you don't catch on to an idea, it'll float to the next person that is meant to be oh, for. I've heard that too. And I'm just along, I, I have, keep that in mind. And I feel like I'm just along for the journey and I'll, I try things. And if they don't work, I'll pull back and try something else. Yeah. Just like, just like our house. Like if you do an yes. organization project and it doesn't work, try something else. So yeah. I'm, I, I think that's the biggest takeaway from, you know, all of this is um, learning to be flexible and readjust when needed and not, not so rigid in what you want to happen but you need yeah. to kind of feel out what is supposed to happen, what feels right. Do you have uh, any more time now, now that you're more organized? Absolutely. What are you using? <laughs> <the> time. <laughs> um, I honestly, mostly taking time to watch some TV and um, <laughs> YouTube. I'm a big YouTube watcher. Okay. What do you watch on YouTube? Do you just like watch people's how-to videos or they're like channels you're following so people most say of, they're watching youtube i'm like i don't know what you're watching most of I'm people, not a millennial I'm old. <laughs> most of the people i've i watch i've watched for years and i kind of feel like they're friends even though they have no idea who i am a well, lot it's of like a, are, a video version of a podcast it's, it's yeah yeah okay. well a lot of them are disney based i'm a huge disney person a lot of them are disney based they go to the parks multiple times a week, if not every day. So I kind of like to bring wow. Disney magic in. There's one channel I watch that is their full-time job is filming videos every day. And they make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year doing this. I mean, that's the lie. Like, pay me to go to Magic Kingdom and have fun. Absolutely. So I watch a lot of Disney. I watch a lot of travel. Hopefully, you know, once maybe retirement age, I'll be able to travel more, or at least get my kids out of so many sports. I'll be able to travel more, but travel stuff, a lot of home, just home vlogs. Like I'm just interested to see how other people live their lives. Like I will watch vlogs of people going and running errands and just to see there what are vlogs of people running errands, what stores they have, what food are you buying? Like, I just like seeing all that stuff. I mean, I would love to do this stuff. The only way I'm doing this stuff is if there's a video crew following me around and <laughs> editing myself. Like I just cannot figure out how they have time. A lot of them, they're either stay-at-home moms or it's their full-time job. They've been doing it long enough. They've been able to make an income with it. But I've I've heard YouTube is, is pulling back and uh, paying out a lot less than they used to. So a lot of people who made that their one income source are having a lot of troubles right now. But yeah, I've, we, my family has a, a YouTube channel and it's very sporadic and mostly only when we travel, I just post our travel videos. It's like when your dad, when you were little, had that big yes. like, shoulder camera and would yes. film everything. That's basically what my channel is <laughs> just capturing memories. And if people want to watch fine, if not, you know, my kids still go back and watch their baby videos and stuff. So it's fun. That is fun. Okay. So you're using your, your free time to enjoy like 
you're allowed to be like your kids and watch TV. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And just giving myself permission to do something other than work, I think is helpful. Um, I had a, a, a weight loss coach at one point and she told me, you know what? You're so frustrated by the end of the day, you need to schedule breaks in throughout the day. Schedule a lunch, like, duh, take a lunch, stop work for 30 minutes and just eat your lunch, like, let your brain rest. And I'm I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense. Um, So just scheduling in breaks and everything, Mm -hmm. taking advantage of that free time is helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Krista, it's been so nice to get to know you and thank you so much for sharing with us a little bit about weddings and for letting me vent about my (laughs) contract frustration, which clearly has been bubbling up for years. Uh I don't like being taken advantage of and I still feel like I was taken advantage of and I definitely was taken advantage of. And you never got anywhere with the owners? Like they never, oh, that's so, I want to write a letter now. Hmm. I have letters. It's already written. I already sent it. It didn't me no good. It will do you no good. Yeah. But Savannah Center or not, well, don't use the Savannah Center. I will not. But even if you just be more cautious, the next time you need to go sign a contract, people get burned all the time. So even though we think it's not going to be us, sometimes it is going to be you. So actually yeah. read it. Don't just sign it. Actually read it. Yeah. And what my lawyer taught me is, you can always make edits. So she said, and and now any contract that I'm given, I always make an edit. She's like, yeah. you always make an edit. I didn't, when I did a contract with Target, I could tell you that for sure. But even when I did it with some of these, you know, ironclad contracts that come through, I'll be like, yeah, my lawyers read this and we're changing blah, 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 to blah, blah, blah. And they will always reply back. This is where everybody replies back. We don't change our contracts. However, we're going to make a modification for you. <laughs> I mean, they had everything. And I'm like, oh, okay, they're not going to do it. And then I keep reading. I'm like, but they just did it. So right. anyways, yeah, you can always change contracts. Don't think that you can't change yes. contracts. Even and I have had, I've had clients, I've had clients request subtle changes to mine. Mostly I have a few that don't want their photos online. So they ask me to take the right? part out yep. where I can use their photos. And I'll usually counter with, you know, is it okay if I use photos of your setup and your decor, but not anybody's faces? And they're fine with that usually. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is the contracts are negotiation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> it took me all these years of next business time, to know that. Next time, tell them to put it in writing. They will provide you working, hardwired internets. <laughs> So we did verbally and in there it does say internet, but somehow anyways, I can't even anymore. I just, it's just, you know how you get to these contracts and they're like 89 pages long and you're like, why would you possibly have to have that in there? Because somebody didn't do it. The reason it's in that contract is because somebody didn't do that. And that's why that's in that contract now. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to the next live embrace whenever you get to have it. And I hope I can be there live. I'm hoping it'll be 2025 (laughs) and maybe you could just find the venue for me. (laughs) Give me lots of notice. So I don't have a wedding that weekend and I'll be there. Perfect. Well, it's always going to be the second to last or the last week in June. That's what it's always going to be. Okay. The date that that last end of June will always be the timeframe. I just don't know which year. Got it. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) Thank you so much. No problem.